0: The Guardian.
1: Welcome to Science Weekly. If you've been tuning into the podcast over the last couple of months, you'll know we've been delving into the science behind the COVID-19 outbreak. If you haven't heard those episodes yet, I really recommend going back to have a listen. But whilst we're exploring some of the most pressing questions surrounding the virus, we don't want to miss out on all the other incredible science that's happening. So we're trialling a new weekly episode. Alongside our ongoing COVID-19 question episodes, we'll look at the science of everything from space to the environment outside of the COVID-19 pandemic. But we want to continue to have you, our listeners, informing what goes on the podcast so we would love to hear what you think on this non-coronavirus weekly episode. If you'd like to have your say, leave us a comment or send us an email, scienceweekly at For us, as well as you, we hope these episodes might provide some escapism too. This week, we're travelling back 66 million years to when dinosaurs roamed the Earth, alongside A very strange mammal.
0: We didn't know what this animal was. It was so odd. It was so peculiar and so bizarre.
1: That's Dave Krauss, Senior Curator of Vertebrate Paleontology at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. For almost 20 years, Dave and his team have been investigating the fossilized skeleton of an unusual creature, completely unlike today's mammals.
0: It just didn't fit with anything that we knew about mammalian evolution from anywhere.
1: I'm Nicola Davis, and this is Science Weekly. Dave, thank you so much for joining us here. The fossil you discovered in Madagascar was from 66 million years ago. Before we get into the fossil itself and the the animal and, and what it was like, just tell me a bit about what the Earth was like. Then, What was happening in the environment?
0: Well, the environment varied greatly across the world, but in Madagascar, we actually have a fair bit of geological information to know that it was a semi-arid climate, that there were long, dry seasons, and that there were intermittent rainy seasons that were quite intense. And so, in many ways, the environment in that particular part of the island was very much like it is today. But obviously humans weren't there. Um, it was dominated by dinosaurs, uh huge snakes, tiny snakes, the biggest frog that ever existed, and a whole array of animals that we've been fortunate to discover since I started this project 25 years ago.
1: So it was on an expedition to Madagascar in 1999 that you led a team of paleontologists to search for fossils from this era. Talk me through this fossil that you dug up.
0: Well, the expeditions have been in collaboration with Malagasy scientists and graduate students who we helped to train. And one particular graduate student, his name was Augustin Raberison, he found what he thought were some crocodile bones. And he and a colleague put a plaster jacket around a block of sandstone that contained the bones. And when we got the plaster jacket back to the United States, we didn't open it up for three years. And when it was opened up in my lab, an elbow joint was exposed, and I realized that below the crocodile bones was a pristinely preserved elbow of a mammal. And for context, mammals are very rare to find in the entire Mesozoic, the age of dinosaurs on the southern hemisphere. So that was. Very exciting! We ran down and got a portable X-ray unit, X-rayed the sandstone block, and I saw that there was a complete skeleton preserved. And this excited me to no end. I actually didn't sleep for two days. <laughs> and uh, from there, uh, so that was the end of 2002. It was a very long process. Mostly, the delay was because we didn't know what this animal was. It was so odd. It was so peculiar and so bizarre. And it just didn't fit with anything that we knew about mammalian evolution during the Mesozoic from anywhere. We just couldn't figure it out. And then we made another discovery in 2010 of a skull of a related form. And that was actually the link that provided the key for us to understand what this animal was. And we realized it was a group of mammals called Gondwanatherians, and Gondwanatherians were extremely poorly known. And so to have a complete skeleton was certainly unprecedented. And for that reason, we decided to really study it with great intensity and that at the same time, new technology of micro CT scanning had come into play where we could actually look inside of bones and inside of skulls to look at nasal cavities and cranial cavities and the inner ear to really understand animals much more clearly. And so uh, we went through that whole process and there's literally thousands of hours involved in this kind of work. And meanwhile, I was working on other things as well. So it took a long time for our crazy beast, which we named Adalatherium, which actually means crazy beast in the Malagasy and Greek languages to have its coming out party as it were
1: that this is one of the animals and forgive me Dave I'm going to completely mispronounce this but you said that it is a Gondwanathan is that right?
0: It's a Gondwanatherian and it refers to the fact that these animals lived on Gondwana and Gondwana was a former supercontinent back in time all of the land masses were together that was Pangaea and then Pangaea split into a northern group of continents known as Laurasia, including North America, Europe, and Asia, and then Gondwana was the rest of it in the Southern Hemisphere, including South America, Africa, Antarctica, Australia, and the Indian subcontinent.
1: So Dave, I want to ask you a bit here about what was so odd about it. So what were its characteristics and why were you so surprised? And how did you even know it was a mammal?
0: Well, we know it's a mammal because mammals have a whole range of characteristics and mammalian evolution through time is pretty much documented through the dentition. Teeth are essentially species fingerprints for us as mammalian paleontologists because they're all different. So we knew it was a mammal and we knew that the teeth were odd but that they were also mammalian. But there are a whole number of other characteristics. There are characteristics in the skull. For instance, it has holes or foramina in places that aren't known in any living or extinct mammal. There's one hole on the top of the snout that, again, is not known in any extinct or living mammal, and that one we actually have no idea what it was used for. The other holes are more numerous on the snout than in other Mesozoic mammals, and we think those were for transmission of nerves and blood vessels to the front of the snout and those are usually associated with a very sensitive snout one that has lots of whiskers or vibrissae and then since we had a complete skeleton and I will boast I guess that it is the most complete skeleton of a mesozoic mammal from the entire southern hemisphere and when I say mesozoic uh, we must realize that that was about a 186 million years long But that postcranial skeleton, the skeleton behind the head, also is very, very odd. It has more vertebrae, more parts of the backbone. And the limbs are especially strange in that it's almost as if the forelimbs didn't know what the hind limbs were doing. The forelimbs are built on kind of a mammalian pattern in being straight and upright, whereas the hind limbs are sprawled out to the sides, much like you would see in a reptile, like a lizard or a crocodile
1: so it sounds like it's what about the size of a cat or a bit bigger and i've seen images and it looks uh, artist reconstructions i should hastily add and it looks a bit like a badger is that is that right i mean you've talked about it having whiskers
0: well we don't know if it's right but we know it's intentional um (laughs) in the sense that we do think that this animal had digging adaptations and badgers do have a fairly characteristic coloration of of stripes and and camouflage type patterns on their head and along their back and maybe along their forelegs, and then the uh, the the nether parts get a little less distinctive so so that was intentional but obviously we don't know what the uh, coloration was uh, like at all and and in fact when you do put uh, flesh and fur on it it doesn't look that strange it's underneath all of that that the skeleton is is truly bizarre. <laughs> Concerning the size of Adolatherium, it was a giant in its day. Most mammals that lived during the Mesozoic, on average, they were mouse-sized, and so that's about 31 grams. By contrast, Adolatherium was 3.1 kilograms, so in fact, 100 times larger than the average Mesozoic mammal. So it truly was a giant during the age of dinosaurs. So,
1: Dave- what does this tell us about mammalian evolution? Do these things sit somewhere on our mammal family tree, or are they some kind of completely separate side branch that just petered out?
0: Well, they were a separate side branch, and they were around for 50 million years before they went extinct about 45 million years ago. But you've touched on an important point, which is that with the entire skeleton we had the opportunity to really uh, determine its relationships relative to other mammals that lived at the same time. And they appear to be closely related to a group that was particularly abundant and speciose in the northern hemisphere. And that group is known as multituberculates. Both multituberculates and these Gondwanotherians were highly successful in their day. They went extinct, but that doesn't mean that they were a failure. In fact, they were around for a very long time.
1: So what more is there to learn about this animal? You've been studying it for so long. What questions remain?
0: We've really documented the anatomy of it in great detail and determined the relationships as best we could, but we still have more to do in terms of analysing how it lived. We do think that it was an herbivore, but we don't know what kind. And then with regards to the postcranial skeleton, I alluded to the fact that the front end doesn't know what the back end is doing, but that still needs to be sorted out in considerable detail. We think it was probably an animal that could run and walk and probably dug burrows as well, potentially to escape the many predators that were in the area at the same time. A couple of meat-eating dinosaurs, two or three large crocodiles and then a massive constrictor snake. But those studies are still in the works.
1: So Dave, this thing is quite different, under the skin at least, to the mammals that we have today. How does it compare to other Gondwanatherians? I mean, you said earlier on that a skull from another animal was a crucial missing link. So can you just talk us through that?
0: Sure. The difficulty there is that Gondwanatherians despite this skeleton and despite the skull that we found, still remain extremely poorly known. And in fact, they, there are records across the southern hemisphere of these animals, but those remains from those other occurrences are just a handful of isolated teeth and jaw fragments. So we have very few connections between the various Gondwan etherians. Um, this, crazy beast, Adolatherium being by far the better known.
1: And do we know why animals like your crazy beast died out? I mean, was it an unfortunate encounter with the dinosaurs or might there have been more to it than that?
0: They outlasted the dinosaurs. We know that from records in Peru and Antarctica. Why Gondwanatherians specifically went extinct, we have no idea. We can only speculate. Their counterpart in the northern hemisphere, the multituberculous We think that they went extinct because of the evolution of rodents, but we still know so little about evolution of mammals in the southern hemisphere to even speculate why Gondwanotherians might have gone extinct.
1: Thanks so much for joining us, Dave. It's been wonderful having you on Science Weekly.
0: Sure. Nice chatting with you.
1: Special thanks to Dave Krauss for joining me this week. As I said at the top of the show, We would love to hear from you about whether non-coronavirus episodes of Science Weekly are something you'd like to hear. Leave us a comment or send us an email, scienceweekly at theguardian.com. The Guardian's open journalism connects us. It brings us together when we need it the most. It arms us with facts. It searches for answers. And it helps us to imagine a better tomorrow. We need your support more than ever during this crisis and beyond. Support The Guardian today. Visit gu.com forward slash support podcasts. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.